and welcome to Stationary Jason, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu. First off, how's the Mediterranean? Secondly, how are you feeling? Uh, well, the Mediterranean is a little bit cloudy. Um, we're, we're having uh, a Coptic storm week, Ooh. which I think I've probably been into before, but uh, it's... We're not getting huge amounts of dust falling out of the sky, but we are getting a little bit of rain, a little bit of cold, and um, and before you know it, it'll be blazing hot. Give it a couple of days. Uh, as for me, I'm tickety-boo. I've had pretty much a day off today. Uh, we're recording at uh, four o'clock my time. Uh, and yeah, I spent the morning taking Mrs. L to a hospital. She had to have a, uh, a, a huge needle stuck into her back. Um, and so, well, that's always nice. Uh, you know, the fact that it was going into her back, not mine. Um, but yeah, it's the, you know this much better than I at the moment, but the, the whole sort of admin of hospitals and going to appointments and hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, all that sort of stuff. Ugh. How is sunny Canada? Well, it's cold at the moment, but I it's getting warmer, Stu. There's grass. Well, it's kind of dead grass at the moment, but it's starting. There's little tufts coming back green. Uh, it is a current balmy minus two. Burr. Yesterday, oh, God, this is not bad. Yesterday, it got so warm, I went out in just a hoodie and a vest. No winter jacket. It was about seven degrees. We went for a walk. It was lovely. Spring is coming. Thank, spring is springing. Thank God. That's all I got to say. So uh, I heard you went from a nasal swab to a needle this week tell me Stu. ah yeah <laughs> tattoo time yes i um i made an appointment uh with with my tattooist of course i mean one has a tattooist it's, it's a bit like what barber you know, next door um so i had an appointment to um get a tattoo off uh, it's a recommended tattooist i've got friends who've had a lot of work done by these guys uh and we'd been sort of uh mrs l had been considering whether she might get a tattoo. I've already got a couple from 30 years ago, um, drunken exploits in foreign lands. Um, and she was going to get some sort of, uh, she wanted some sort of representation of the Mediterranean. There was talk of little geckos. and um, But she's quite, um, she's not an impulsive person, Mrs. L. That's my department. Um, and so as she was musing on it, I went, mm, do you know, I quite fancy another tattoo. So I had a chat with the guys, um, found something that I wanted, made an appointment, and boom, had it done on Thursday. We're recording now on Friday. Um, and yeah, absolutely delighted with it. Um, it's, I'm, I'm sure we'll release a picture of it at some point, but it's a, um, it's a sort of stoic emblem. So there's an hourglass with a beautiful woman in the top, the face of a beautiful woman in the top. Uh, and a skull in the bottom uh, with sands running from one to the other. Uh, and then there's, oh, there's several sort of messages. So there's memento vivere, which is Latin for remember to live. Uh, Tempus fugit, which is uh, time flies. Uh, carpe diem, which is seize the day. And then memento mori, which is a sort of stoic um, motto, which is remember death. Uh, which doesn't mean you should go around thinking about death all the time. It just means that you should remember 
to get all the stuff done you want to do because one day you will be dust. Um, so it's, I find it quite inspiring. Other people find it a bit morbid, but hey, what can you do? Um, but yeah, it's all done in, uh, in, in black, also black and gray. Uh, and yeah, I took, I don't know, an hour and a half or so. And so far, so good. I'm, uh, the arm doesn't look as though it's going to drop off, so I, I think I'll probably survive. But um, I've still got quite a long way to go to catch you up. You're, you've got quite a lot of tattoos, haven't you? I've got a couple, yeah. Yep. Uh, I was laughing when you uh, were talking about morbid and skulls. And uh, yeah, I've got a couple of um, skulls tattoos. And yes, mine, are, mine tend to be a little bit more on the morbid side. But anyway, there we go. We won't go into tattoos because that'll just <laughs> have people having more questions than they do answers. Though I was actually looking at your tattoo, the picture that you sent me this morning before we started. And I was actually thinking, I now have a use case for the Apple VR glasses. <laughs> Instant translations. <laughs> subtitles because i was asking Stu. i said what are you gonna put the subtitles on so that others you know normal folks that don't speak dead languages can understand what it is and i was listening as i was prepping for the show and taking out the garbage this morning to mac and forth uh, another podcast about apple and they were kind of complaining about the uses of uh, there's been a lot of talk about these new vr glasses that tim cook wants to release and nobody else does mm -hmm. and i thought about it and went Aha! I've always wondered what the hell I would do with these Apple $3,000 things. And <laughs> Stu's tattoo is is the answer to the question I never knew I had. Well, there you go. I mean, think of the worlds that would open up to you. You could, you could read Sanskrit tattoos, Chinese tattoos, Japanese tattoos. Uh, I mean, there'd be all that stuff. All those people who got, you know, mystery tattoos in Thailand after way too much drinking. They could actually translate and find out that it says "Go away, white man" or or something instead of what they thought it said. Oh, I thought it was uh, the menu. Uh, I'd like to order a number eight, please. <laughs> could well be that too. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, the number eight joke. There's a Chinese restaurant that I used to go to, and they had uh, specials uh, at, on the list every day, and they actually called them number A, number B, number C, and number C, number D. And so you actually went in and ordered, can I get a number A, please? Perfect. And it was just the most amusing thing that uh, I've ever seen. But it was it was cool. It was cute. It was quirky. Um, so anyway, but yes, I, 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 well, I shouldn't say anything about that because I have um, an Arabic tattoo that, uh, well, it's, it's a dedication to my daughter mm -hmm. uh, that a friend of mine uh, did uh, translated into Arabic. Um, so I really shouldn't complain about people having uh, strange languages tattooed on their bodies. And there you go. You see, it's it's exotic. That's what it is. So what, what have you got for follow-up then? Not too much. Um, the one thing I was really excited about since we last spoke, Apple News. Uh, the new classical music app is coming at the end of the month. And I'm really excited about this. Uh, music for work, I like a lot of classical music. Well, I like a lot of music. That's all I got to say. Uh, speaking of which, dude, did you notice the rest of the U2 album drop this morning? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, uh, as I mentioned, I was, I was at the hospital most of the day. Um, but no, I will look that up because uh, it's, it's the one, it's the sort of reimaginations of old hits, isn't it? Yeah, I've listened to the few tracks that dropped a couple of times. And sitting at, they 
I, I don't go for them in ears. Um, they just don't sound right. But on a big stereo listening in my office here with my big speakers, it actually has grown on me. I quite like it. So I'm excited to listen to this. Mm, perfect. Yeah, I will be much the same. Uh, if, of course, I can get my HomePods to work and play the same song at the same time, mm. in time. Um, Working well, are they? Mm, I, well, my home kit uh, is going bananas at the moment. The I have some Eve cameras, which are HomeKit uh, compatible. And, they're, you know, they're great little uh, cameras that sort of monitor the inside of the house. They, they get triggered by movement uh, and they don't send all of your information directly to, to Jeff Bezos. Um, but for some reason, something that Apple is doing in HomeKit, they keep reporting that they've gone offline. So um, offline, no, we're online. No, we're offline. No, we're online. No, we're offline. No, we're online. And if you actually go into the Eve app, they're, they're serenely online. They're, they don't have a problem. They're, there's something going on in HomeKit and doing a little bit of Google foo. This is a, a recurring issue. So I assume that Apple are trying to make something that doesn't work, work. And that's what generally happens. And my HomePods uh, have just become incredibly slow. Um, so they do respond just very slowly. These are the original, you know, the big home pods. Well, that's because you need to upgrade to the version twos, which are pretty much version one's the same again with a faster chip and yeah, all that money thrown out the door again for a speaker. Yeah. I'm kind of resisting at the moment. I'm thinking I will, I will consider this more fully in say a year's time where perhaps I'll jump ship to Sonos or something. I don't know. Um, or ideally I'd like Apple to sort their lives out. That's what I would really like. Just wire in some proper, uh, proper, proper speakers and a stereo. That's also an option. Yeah. Cause you know what? It will still work in 30 years. Mm -hmm. You know, speakers don't generally at our age, at least in the volume levels that we are, respectfully using because we go to bed early um speakers don't blow anymore no they they last forever sure there's no reason that we can have a home pod that is three or four years old and that doesn't work for the stupid high amount of money that we paid for it mm. i i can't ever invest in home pods again after the way apple's treated these honestly i'm I'm kind of done with them. If if these die, then they're dead. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm a little uh, anti HomePod HomeKit. Um, I I just get tired of stuff that doesn't work. You're Apple. You got all the money. I'm just you got all my money. I'm just make it work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. I mean, I've got Wharfdale Diamonds uh, speakers in storage uh, in the UK and. The temptation to sort of dig them out and get them shipped over and then put them through some sort of uh, receiver stroke amp here and you know just as you say wire something up that will work uh, even as i change the the computer end of the equation but anyway i'm not worrying about it for the moment i will labor on um uh, as we will come come to later i've got i've got other other computer issues that i want to resolve um uh, insofar as my, my tool of the week, uh, is I am back to a single monitor. So I've been working with two monitors 
two LG 20-somethings that are not quite the same generation nor the quite the same size. Um, oh. So that was, an inf- yes, infuriating to look at. Um, you, you know that that would just absolutely do my head in. It did mine. Um, I, I, I labored on. I tried. I loved having the, the screen real estate. That was great, um, especially for, for recording because you have a load of apps open. It's great to be able to have everything there. Um, but uh, you know I like an uncluttered desk, and this was the epitome of clutter. So I was just, Ugh. So I'm actually using the smaller of the two, which also happens to be the more modern and the slightly higher definition. So this is the one I'm using is true 4K. Um, and I nearly caved, Justin. I was on the phone to my Apple reseller here in sunny Cyprus, and I said, okay, studio display, yes. Normal glass, yes. Vase mount, yes. We have all of those things, but none of them in the same monitor. Sorry? So I could have a vase mount with the nano texture, um, which is uh, essentially makes the display slightly worse and really difficult to clean. Um, and they charge you know, $400 for the privilege. Uh, or I could have the normal glass on the useless stand so the one that you have to you know stack a couple of bibles underneath your monitor um or i could have i i can't remember what the other combination was but i couldn't have the one i wanted which was normal glass on a vase uh so i sort of moved away from that i've spoken to another supplier who said have you thought of an lg 27 inch oh the ultra fine yeah, it's the big brother of the one I'm looking at, essentially. So I'm looking at the 4K. Um, I've had the LG Ultrafine 5K in the UK. It's probably still there, in fact. Uh, and it's, well, fine. Um, but I suppose the price difference between that and the studio is about 600 euro, I'm going to say. Um, because the, the studio, apart from the horrific webcam, um, it's... It's just very overpriced for a very average spec. I mean, that's the, the bottom line. Um, but if I wait for Apple to release another one, well, I may be dead before that happens. Um, and the really, really big one, your your big, beautiful screen, I think would be too big for me, as well as being way too much money. Um, I don't think I'd be prepared to pay it. So tribulations, Justin, tribulations. I got to tell you, Stu. I paid a stupid amount of money for my monitor, but I love it. It is so worth every single silly big dollar that I've paid. Now, I I work at it all day long, um, but it is big. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous. It is everything about Apple that is good from every direction. it's you know it's kind of hard for me to recommend i think i paid nine thousand canadian for this including taxes and delivery and all that stuff and the silly stand Mm. it is really hard for me to recommend this to anybody but oh if you can afford it if you can swing it oh it is just so worth it i mean even though this is uh 2019 um, it's, it's an older style spec monitor, you know, there's all kinds of new fancy stuff that's out there, but this one just does everything. 
including the fact that, of course, it has no um, camera at all and it has no speakers. So you have to deal with that issue separately. Mm. But the picture quality is just fantastic. It is. Oh, it, anyway, I love it. That's all I'm going to say. There's, if there is one piece of tech that I would, I would replace if there was a fire, it is my 2019 spec XDR. You know, it is, it is that nice to me. So there you go. My recommendations to I'm trying to spend your money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, I would turn it down for a couple of reasons. One, as you say, it's 2019 spec. Um, two, the lack of speakers. Um, and three, um, I have my my monitor offset. So I've got a, I'm, I'm probably the only person in the world with two Jarvis monitor arms. I've got a double and a single. So I'm now using a single. Um, and I have the monitor offset so that when I sit at my desk, I'm actually looking out of the window. Um, and I, I turn for when I'm typing on Wikipedia. Now, that's not ergonomically the best way to work, but I, I seldom sit in front of my computer for eight hours. I'm, I'm here for a couple of hours, and I, I just I don't think it would, it would work for me. The studio, on the other hand, might, could possibly alleviate my frustration with the HomePods because it is a reasonably powerful set of speakers in the back for a monitor. So it would certainly handle listening to podcasts um, and, you know, most of the listening that I do. Um, if I really want to rock out, then I'm going to have to uh, either battle through with the home pods or, as, you, as we just discussed, get some proper speakers. But, um, yeah, mm, mm. decisions, decisions. Watch this space. What about you? What's your tool of the week? Mine is a tool that created problems. Uh, for still myself, actually. Um, time change. Well, not necessarily time change. The fact that Europeans do the time change wrong. I screwed up an entire day of recording yesterday. I have done a little research on this, uh, Mr. Twyford, my North American friend. And uh, it would appear that those that do a time change, because not everyone does, of course, um, we appear, us Europeans, along with our Asian, African, Australasian, and some Canadian brothers, uh, we, we do it all at the end of March. It's, a, it's only part of Canada, North America, Mexico, who do it in the middle of March for reasons best known to themselves. So even, was it Northeast British Columbia hasn't changed its clocks? Yeah, but I'm not anywhere near Northeast British Columbia. I am in the same time zone as Cupertino, the center of the universe. <laughs> there where we make stuff that doesn't work. Yep. That that's it. You know, this 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 nice little monitor that I was uh drooling over earlier, uh, it tells me what time it is, so I don't even have to think about it. But yes. <laughs> um so yesterday, uh, Stu had uh told me he was gonna be a little bit late because he was stuck on a Skype call. And I was sitting here waiting for him. Only I was an hour earlier because we had not discovered that either one of us did the time change wrong. So um, today we're trying number two. <laughs> God, did that screw up my day. Uh, and it didn't help that I had an incredibly busy day yesterday at work. So I didn't have a lot of time to reschedule. It was just, 
why can't we get things together? Why do we have to do this thing? You know, what's wrong with the world? We, we <laughs> Good Lord. How long have you got? Uh, maybe that's about it. But yep. Uh, so that screwed up my entire day or week. Um, uh, anyway, we're getting this to you. Hopefully you'll get it out on time. You'll get it out in British Columbia time when I release it because I'm releasing it on my schedule. Forget Stu's. Forget him. <laughs> Just forget Stu. Well, w w when you say British Columbia, you mean part of British Columbia time. I mean where I'm sitting because, you know, <laughs> like Cupertino, the center of the world revolves around me. Oh, okay. That's the way it goes, isn't it? Well, I think so, probably. It is all a bit of a nonsense. I wonder if anybody will ever sort it out. Probably not. Well, they're threatening, actually, to cancel it. This might be the last time in North America that they do this, which will be even more fun. They, they do that all the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, you know. And then, and then you can just see what's going to happen. The rest of the world will say... Oh, North America's doing this. We're not going to. We're going to carry on doing our own thing. And yeah, Stu and I will perpetually have this fight. We actually need to come up with an app that schedules this between us and compensates for the time changes. Because my schedule and my calendar doesn't say anything about your schedule and your calendar. And I think that's part of the problem. That's a to-do list. There are loads of apps that do that, I think. Yeah, but um, you're the only person I talk to that does this to me. <laughs> oh, well, I don't. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like to be special, as you know. Come on, tell me something nice then. Tell me about your pen and ink of the week. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually still using my baton. And I love, maybe it's just because I really love the purple Mont Blanc Beatles ink, but I've actually quite enjoyed using this one. Um, the nib on it for a Lamy, I'm not a huge fan of Lamy nibs. Uh, this is in the uh, Lamy Safari style of nib. Um, not usually a fan of them. This one's a gold nib and writes beautifully. The purple ink is beautiful. I cleaned three pens yesterday, Stu. Very good. So I'm getting ready to ink something else up. Uh, the pens that I do have left, though, they're apart from the Lamy, they're all... Um, piston fillers and you know what that means with a fine nib i've got ink for a year oh i you know if you're if you're trying to do a pen and ink of the week do not use a piston filler that's all i'm saying how about you what are you using this week uh well i'm using um still got my pelican uh the um brilliant orange the vibrant orange yes. that's because it's a uh a piston filler correct it'll be there for a while um, well, it, it does write beautifully. I'm writing in a Blackwing uh, notebook, and this does really like that paper. So this one gets used quite a lot. Uh, and I'm also now, my newly inked up is a Sailor Sapporo, which is um, uh, Sailor Pro Gear uh, Slim. It's um, silver, well, sorry, it's white with a silver trimming uh, rather than the gold trimming. Um, very nice. I like it. And I'm using in it, um, my apologies to any Japanese listeners, uh, Sailor Shikiori Waka Ugusu Ink, which is a uh, sort of dirty green, if you like. Um, very nice. Very nice little combo. Um, sailor pens. It, uh, sailor and Pelican, I find it really difficult to get past these two brands in terms of writing experience. Mm. 
Yep. You like that? What what uh, nip have you got on this one? I'm just curious. Mm, this, I suspect, I'm going to have a quick look now, will be a raw Japanese. So I would probably call it a medium. I mean, it might be a medium. Oh, dear. I'm not sure my eyes are up to this task. So, well, now I'd have to turn the lights on and all sorts. All right. Mm. Doesn't matter. It's a big fat pen as far as my concerns are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a broad Japanese because it, it writes like a European medium. Uh, but lovely, 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 lovely. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. It is really pretty. Very, I, I could see this. This is a, a stew slash Joni Ive style, you know, white <laughs> minimalist, the silver trim. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, does does this stain at all with uh, with the ink that you've got? It hasn't as yet. Um, I've had this pen um, for a few years, and I've used different inks. Um, but no, the the cap still is pristine. And uh, I'm just having a look now. I'm going to have a look inside the barrel. We'll unscrew it. Um, yeah, it's not. Uh, oh, I suppose there might be some vestiges of some purple then and there, but nothing that shows through to the outside. So. Mm. Uh, the only white pens I have, I've got a Franklin Kristoff, and uh, it is permanently blue, mm. which is fine. But uh, yeah, it's things that you learn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a complicated, it's a difficult color to do well white. It certainly is. All right, Stu, let's get into our topic. Well, I would say because you've obviously got a lot to say. I was just looking at our show notes on this. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's all in different colors, too. It's very colorful. Oh, well. Uh, Stu's topic. Stu's topic, because, well, I don't have a lot to say in it. How to write a great dissertation. Now, this is a bit of a shout out to, to our audience, because Stu has to do one of these wonderful things, these academic exercises that, in my opinion, have very impact, very little impact in the real world. He's got to do a dissertation for his degree. Um, you know, I think he's going to need some help. So listen to us and then give Stu all of your ideas for how to make it easier and better and how to chat GPT it and make it <laughs> all go. I, I mean, I, I guess my question is, what is the real world sort of advantage? Because how many business presentations do you ever see that have citations? Not too many. Um, and you know, my experience, I was, I was lucky. Uh, I had an option when I did my degree, the first year that they did it, I, uh, could have done an academic dissertation or I got to challenge a three day comprehensive business case simulation exam, which was part team, part individual. We had to stay in a hotel because it was, you know, full, full days of doing this um it was punishing it was grueling i dove into it rather than having to write a dissertation and more importantly going through that thing called turn it in mm. oh i'm oh I, i'm reading a book at the moment that seems like a dissertation um annie paul murphy uh what's her uh something about the I can't even remember the title. Is how much the book is 
exciting to me. Uh, but it's it's kind of the same thing. It's a dissertation, which is an academic telling me about everybody else's research and tying it back to somebody else rather than distilling it down into their own thoughts. Ah, Stu, how do you feel about your dissertation coming up? You excited, frustrated, looking forward to all of these um, footnotes and references and all that stuff? Yuck. Well, I mean, I, first thing, I think I might actually withdraw from the dissertation. Uh, now, I don't mean um, sort of just throw the whole thing away, but I'm uh, the way that the MBA I'm doing works is that there are six modules, uh, compulsory modules that I have to complete uh, and a dissertation. And the dissertation makes up, uh, I don't know what percentage, um, a significant percentage of the, of the overall mark. And then the modules make up the rest. And the... The modules uh, have an assessment at the end of each, which is a, a mini dissertation or an essay, I guess you would call it. And, you know, doing these essays has been, um, I would say, in one way quite easy and in another way quite challenging because um, the danger with sort of, uh, or the danger that I've experienced with sort of going back to studies is that I'm going back to studies in how to run a business. And I've got some real life experience in running businesses. And uh, as you point out, I mean, at no point have I written a report to my board or to my team that includes any citations or any Harvard referencing. Um, I will set out an argument for sure. I'll give justification. I'll give reason. I will probably give costings. But <laughs> tends not to be. Um, a an examination of the subject area it's this is the problem i have identified this is the solution i've identified and this is what i need you to do to let me to do it let me do it excuse me so um there's a real temptation when i see certainly uh, one we're doing at the moment is a case study and so I, re I read the case study and i immediately go okay well the first thing we need to do is fire that guy oh you give the answers no <laughs> Not the research. <laughs> that's not what they're looking for. Yeah, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for me to demonstrate that I understand the various and sundry uh, styles of leadership. Um, rather than say, okay, look, bin this guy, have a chat to that guy, get this guy motivated, up your production, bang your sales, you're in clover. Which is what would happen in the business world. There is no CEO in the world who wants someone to come in and say to him, ah, what we should do here is explore the various leadership styles available to us. No, that's not how it works. Uh, however, from a learning point of view, of course, you can understand that these guys want to assess whether you have done the research and learned how leadership thinking has evolved over time. So it's an entirely artificial exercise, as you say. And you know, I, I was chatting to the professor the other day. I said, really, case studies do not help uh, you guys because you put a case study in front of any executive and the executive is immediately going to go into, you know, solutions mode. And, and that's not what we want. And certainly the, the question says, write your answer in the form of a report. And so I went back to him and said, well, 
um, I've read a lot of reports and I've written a lot of reports and none of them had any citations or references. That's not really what you mean, is it? No, no, we want citations and we want references. Okay, so in the corporate world, what we say about this is that you've asked a crap question. <laughs> you need to ask a better question. If you want me to give you an academic paper, ask for one. We call that communication skills. Um, and, you know, fortunately, the professor is quite, quite a nice chap and sort of finds me relatively amusing when I say stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, there is this sort of real mismatch. And also, you know, he can sort of sit back and tilt his head a little bit and go, Stuart, you know that we are looking for you to demonstrate knowledge, expertise in the subject area. Well, yes, I suppose I do, Professor. Well, then stop being an arse and do it. Yes, Professor. Um, but what I have sort of discovered, uh, I've, I've, I did write a dissertation in my first degree, um, but that was a very different sort of approach. That was a, an undergraduate degree. Um, it wasn't the sort of prescribed way that a master's worked. And the sort of picking a subject section is an enormous piece of work. Mm -hmm. Working out what I want to write my dissertation on is in itself a piece of work. And then um, you, you kind of have to defend that idea to a supervisor uh, to get the supervisor to supervise it. Um, which is a little bit odd. And I'm sort of halfway through the modules and I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm sort of excluding myself from, from the other half. And I'm in no hurry to get this master's degree. I mean, it's not as though somebody's going to give me a pay rise at the end of it. I, mean, I give myself a pay rise whenever I want to. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll just withdraw from this and say, guys, I'm going to finish these modules first and then have a think about what I want to do rather than... Uh, sort of what everybody else is doing who are working in the corporate world, which is I can get this done in two years, therefore I will get it done in two years. Um, I've got up to six years, I think. So I'm thinking, well, all right, why not do my two years, the modules, and then, you know, whatever sort of tickled my fancy, hopefully, I can, uh, I can choose to then do the dissertation on. That's, that's kind of where I've been coming to. And I have to say, preparing to talk to you about it, is, is where my epiphany came, which was like, look, this is a chance for me to explore in depth something that interests me about management. And rather than complain about the fact that don't work like that in the real world, I should be saying, okay, so what really does grab me? What does interest me? You know, is it, um, you know, company culture? Is it leadership? Is it motivation? Is it... I guess compliance is something that I, I would be interested in. Don't tell anyone. Um, is it is it change management? Um, because I do find that really interesting. You know, how do you change an organization? So how does an organization change? How do you identify that an organization needs to change? All that sort of stuff. I think, yeah, that's that's interesting to me because there's a whole load of sort of mechanics that go on there there's personalities there's psychology there's sociology there's um there's lots of norms of behavior um there's the difficulty of you know this is a newcomer uh, all of that sort of stuff i think is really interesting because i think it's a sort of microcosm of of the whole world within business um so 
my thoughts at the moment are maybe I should just back away from this a little bit and go, okay, stop rushing to do this. Continue my modules. What am I doing at the moment? I'm doing applied leadership at the moment. Um, and we'll go off on a tangent because it's me. Um, we're on a Zoom call. So the class is on a Zoom call or some of the classes on a Zoom call because this is a, a very international course and there are people all over the place. Um, and at times, you know, they don't make it to the call. There are times I haven't made it to the call. So we're talking through our sort of mini assignment. So 4,000 words, I think, is the is the assignment for this module. And it's actually split into two parts, 2,000 and 2,000. Now, 2,000 words, anybody who's listened to this show knows that's me just warming up. So <laughs> the, the, the challenge for me is to sort of cut out all the guff and, and get to the good stuff. But we're talking through uh, the first part, which is one of those things that I was just um, deriding. So it's, you know, um, explore the various leadership styles available. You know, that sort of nonsense. Oof. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really a case of, you know, rattling out some some well thought of citations and then building a couple of keywords around it and trying to trying to find a way of making your submission different from the 165,000 others that have been done on this subject so that Turnitin doesn't spit it back out at you. Um, but then the second part is, is, is this case study that I mentioned. And this case study, I think it's due um, early April. So we are recording on the 17th of March. So we're, we're talking a couple of weeks away, right? And the first part has to be in the week before that. Now, the first part builds off the interim assignment. So actually, there's not a huge amount of work to be done to that. You know, I, I've got a thousand word version. I now have to make a 2000 word version. Mm. And I've had feedback on the, on the thousand word version. So incorporate the feedback. Do what the prof asked you to do. You're going to do okay on part one, right? Oh, that's such, part- a, such an academic exercise of... <laughs> Going round in a circle. I, I mean, I, we we call it box ticking in compliance. <laughs> it just, yeah, it's it's again, someone in business that sort of going round and pre-doing your work, and oh my god, <laughs> off. Anyway, okay. I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, I don't. So, so yeah, that part, I'm thinking, all right, okay, that's fine. And then we're talking away, and the the professor for this particular part, I'm sure he won't be saying, he's German. Uh, and he lives in the UK uh, and teaches in the UK. Um, but he's, he's, he's a young guy, very um, dynamic. Uh, and he's got that, you know, German clipped accent, yeah? And it's, oh, by the way, I've discovered from the administration that the second part must be a team submission. Oof. This is basically 16 days before deadline. There are no teams. None of the people uh, involved in this have ever met each other in the real world. There is no, that we, we have a forum, um, you know, a sort of uh, like an old message board, I guess. But that message board does not have the facility for direct messaging. So this is Reddit for younger generation people? Just <laughs> Yeah, kind of. Um, and... I'm like, Ooh, uh, and 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 uh, teams. Uh, t- t- talk to me about the teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you must by March 17, 
You must tell me your teams. They can be between two and five people. Danke. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to now sort of formulate the words in this Zoom call that don't involve any, any cussing, any swear words, or any racist epithets. Because I'm thinking, this is absolute nonsense. You can't just drop. If you tried this in business, I'd just punch you in the face. <laughs> it's a, a, an absolute idiot. And the thing is, he knows that he's an absolute idiot. And I think he thinks the whole thing is ludicrous. This is an executive MBA, entirely remote, with people spread across the world. And we've now got to come up with uh, a team submission. <laughs> so I've got a team where there's, I've got a guy in uh, Singapore. Um, I think he's probably Indonesian. I'm not sure. Um, and I have a guy in the UAE who is Emirati. Uh, you can tell that because his name is about 400 characters long. <laughs> and I have a Russian stroke Ukrainian, I'm not sure which, but I'm guessing the distinction might become important, based in southern China. So that's our team. Right? None of us, as I said, we've met. So I, me being me, I said, right, guys, okay, I'm a team. Anybody else want to join? You're joining? Right, cool. What's your mobile number? What, you want me to put it in the forum? But look, here's my mobile number. You can send it to me, to, whatever you want. To, we need to talk somehow. We need to get some way of, of chatting. And the first time we can actually all get on a call is next week, which is, you know, sort of a third of the time left. And it's, it, sure, I, I understand team din, din, dynamics. I used to run a training company, so I know how to deliver training. I know how teams work, and it's just right in my wheelhouse. But I also know there's a deadline. And I also know that people have a tendency to be quite polite about these things. And so, well, yeah, I'm not sure. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to sort of set the pace with this thing and say, look, I will say what I think. And I expect you to say, Stu, you're wrong. Or I don't agree. Don't sort of sit there and nod at me because we're not going to get anywhere. We've got to submit a paper in a couple of weeks. So, so when we meet, I expect everybody to have their ideas. I expect that we kick those ideas around. We come up with an agreed sort of arguments that we're going to make in the paper and then we agree how we're going to write the damn thing and i think at the moment the favored one is that you know each each team member is going to write a section and then we're all going to come together and consider each other's say this isn't what's going to happen but this is what everybody wants to happen um and during the first meeting i'm going to say all right guys let's talk about the argument now and give me a couple of hours i will fire up a draft and I'll fire out a draft to everyone. And then each of you take your section and go off and get the citations around, because we need a unified writing style or else it's going to look nonsense. And given that we all have to do this in English and I'm the native English speaker, um, it would make sense, I think, for me to write it. But there's this whole sort of, I mean, it's just nonsense. <laughs> it's just utter nonsense. Um, so coming back from the tangent, this whole sort of experience of doing this and then the next, what else have I got? I've got digital marketing, marketing, I think I've got. I've got strategic management. Oh, you might have to go and start up a Twitter account so you could do this digital marketing uh, class. Mm, yeah, 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 no. Um, so I'm just thinking that maybe after all the classes would be the time for me to choose uh, a dissertation subject. Um, but speaking to, you know, my, my sort of prospective teammates, 
so some of the things that the guy that people are coming up with it's um what was what was the example we were given um a comparison between mark the comparative marketing of product a in singapore and the usa i thought i'm bored by the title how the <laughs> hell am i going to get through fifteen thousand words that's just <laughs> mm. Mm. yes i'm i'm concerned i i mean i think i've I've understood now that this is, as you said, it's an academic exercise. It should be viewed as such. Um, and um, I, I put in the show notes uh, in a very, a very nice sort of red color, the, a, a tiny section. I've been given uh, it's about 60 pages, A4 pages, on how to choose your dissertation subject. And again, you and I, and I'm sure many listeners who actually work in business are going, you don't get 60 pages on anything ever. And if you do, if you're senior enough, you throw it at the person that gave it to you. Um, and if you're junior, you know that somebody senior is trying to give you a hard time. Because if it can't be said in six pages, then you're saying too much. It's just nonsense. And I'm reading through this stuff. And it's... You should also be able to demonstrate a systematic understanding of relevant knowledge about organizations, their external context, and how they are managed. Okay, okay, Stu, Stu, stop. I have just figured out the pivot for this. Uh -huh. In your voice, we make an app to put people to sleep. <laughs> you just read this, and in, in exactly that tone, and it's, oh, it's perfect. This is a cure for insomnia. <laughs> 60 pages of it. We can go all freaking night. You should also be able to demonstrate application of relevant knowledge to a range of complex situations, taking account of its relationship and interaction with other areas of the business or organization. I mean, that's just nonsense. That's just made up. That's <laughs> It's a whole load of buzzwords put together. A critical awareness of current issues in business and management, which is informed by leading-edge research and practice in the field. By which they mean, quote, Peter Drucker from 1976. <laughs> oh, God, that's bad. That's so bad. And I, I yeah, look, I'm, I'm, it's very easy to mock it all. And, you know, as, as I've said, what what I've come to understand is that I, I mean I can play this game. Okay, I've got lots of qualifications in uh, anti money laundering, financial crime prevention, and uh, doing those. And th those were even worse. Okay, for those, all the exams that I had to do were essays, and they were all handwritten. So, so you, you had a four hour exam where you had to write six essays. Oof. I mean, my hand nearly fell off, and this was. This wasn't like 30 years ago. This was five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, but anyway, so I know how to play the game. I know how to bring the references through. I, I understand that um, it, is a, it is an exercise in box ticking to say, yes, Peter Drucker said this, and that's important because of that, and that leads you to this and leads you to, you know, I, I can do all of that. But rather than sort of regarding this as, okay, the best way for me to get a merit in this paper is to do A, B, C, and D, is I need to look at this and say, this is an opportunity for me to tr 
to learn something at a deeper level than you would ever afford yourself inside a business because you've got work to do. <laughs> um, and that's, I suppose, where I'm, I'm, I'm searching now is, you know, what is it about business particularly that interests me? Or I suppose is it business administration, I guess. I mean, that's what an MBA is, isn't it? So um, what, what can I get into? I think people are going to be writing about pandemic, the how that changed the working environment, working from home, um, quiet quitting, um, the quiet resignation, you know, all the all of those types of things are, I think, going to be very, very fashionable. The the issue with that is there's very little data. Um, you know, I can give my opinion about those things, and as people will know, so I'm not backward in coming forward. But um, there's no real data out there that you can sort of hang your hat on. It, it, it's all too fresh. It's all too new. Um, at the same time, I really don't want to sit there and explain why Drucker was right about this and Herzberg was right about that. And, um, you know, just getting into stuff that I was training people. I was doing action-centered leadership. John Adair, look it up. I was doing that. Oh, 2000... Uh, late 1990s, I was training people in what action-centered leadership was. And and now there's people asking me to write essays that sort of reference it. It's like, hmm, no, I'm not sure I want to get into that stuff again. No, not because it's not great. It's fantastic. But it's it's what you would call management. Um, you know, some of the things that we're exploring now about leadership is, you know, um, the great man theory. I'm like, sorry? Huh? The, the great man theory. You are aware it's 2023, yeah? Well, what do you mean? I said, well, we all of the stuff that you're now going to take us through, the sort of 50 years of management thinking, is essentially saying, well, great man theory is nonsense. And, you know, are, are, are great leaders born or made? You know, these are the big, the big questions that are largely settled if you've got an IQ over seven. You know, they, they want me to learn all the stuff that was wrong to then demonstrate why it's wrong and how it's moved on. And there are still people on the course who turn around and go, well, you know, people are born to lead. You've either got it or you haven't. Yeah, I think you might be overlooking privilege education and, you know, that type of thing. And they, and they look at me as if I'm speaking Greek. And that, that whole thing, I don't find that particularly interesting just to sort of say, okay, this was all wrong in the past and now we're right, because we're not. I mean, we're still not right. People don't understand what leadership is. And uh, I don't and you don't. We, we know it when we see it. <laughs> I think it's that kind of thing. Because if you look at, um, uh, you know, all sorts of, of political figures, polarizing ones, if you look in the United States, um, everybody that ran for president in the last uh, 20 years, there's so many different types of leadership going on. But each of them had something because, you know, they had lots and lots of people following them. So something was right. Um, and I'm, that's what I'm struggling to do is to find a subject sufficiently um, interesting and old enough for there to be data to explore. Um, because part of what I have to demonstrate is, you know, um, I'll, I'll read it to you if you like. Um, 
I should evaluate the rigour and validity of published research and assess its relevance to new situations. Extrapolate from existing research and scholarship to identify new or revised approaches to practice. And then the killer. Conduct research into business and management issues that requires familiarity with a range of business data, research sources, and appropriate methodologies, and for such to inform the overall learning process. All right, so you need to throw a gemawatt in there, and you need to throw a porter in there, and you've got all your all your bases covered. <laughs> that's it. We're going to go back to Hertzberg. All right, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to Hertzberg and how motivational? No, we're not. Um, so yeah, if anybody's got any ideas, then please do share them with me. Um, one hmm. one thing I wanted to kind of throw in you you mentioned this idea of taking a pause to put the most value in it and my i did an executive mba mm. um while i was working full-time which is basically a full-time mba on top of that which was sure. extremely time intensive and very very condensed it was a, a two-year degree and that was that was tough one of the things that you quickly realize and you know i i think everybody in their life gets what they can out of out of these exercises one of the things that i realized for me was that it became an academic exercise in learning as much as you can to write that final paper mm -hmm. and then clearing your mind to absorb the next part of that because there was no time sure. to stop and reflect and i i think one of the things i would have loved to have done was to really taken more time uh, we went all year round so there was there was sort of no summer break you know it's not like a traditional academic this was a very intense program um i would have loved to have had a pause in there somewhere to really stop and say, mm -hmm. how does this concept build on the next concept? Because at a certain point, you know, and, and academics been the business that they are in, um, you know, and each teacher having their own motivation, each professor, there were competing time requirements. You did not have enough time to say, you know what, this is really relevant to me. I need to go deeper on this. Or I want to go deeper. You end up doing a lot of it after the fact, but once the crush is off and you've kind of separated that by, you know, a year, uh, it's very hard to get that motivation to go back and relook at everything and go yeah. as deep as you would like. I would have loved to have been able to have had a little bit more space in my, in my program to do exactly what you're thinking of doing, which is take a pause, think about it and think what makes the most sense to me what am i going to gain the most from in this dissertation yes it's an academic exercise but if it's an academic exercise that is something that i'm deeply interested in i'm deeply passionate about and that i think there is a point to uh, it changes the whole thing from let's check off a box to get a piece of paper and walk down a uh uh, you know, up onto a stage and shake everybody's hand 
to, hey, I've really, really learned something and internalized something and made a difference. And I think that can be the danger of our system. Uh, in terms of academics, we, we kind of, uh, we meet the next academic challenge, which in your case is creating a team and putting them together to get this report in at the last minute. You know, does that really add a lot to your value? What are you going to take out of it? How are you going to do that in a business environment? Well, that changes because you have power and authority and um, there are, there are certain dynamics that this, this trumps, you know, you've got a life. Great. Uh, This is the most important thing for our business right now. We're going to get on this and I need all of these resources in a room. Let's make this happen is a lot different from, well, we've got all these people over the world and everybody's got their own priorities and this is something they're adding to it. So I, I see the challenges for you, Stu. I really do. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking that the, the pause might not be a bad idea. If, mm. if you're comfortable having to then deal with been to school for another year. Sure. I mean, because of, you know, the way this, this, this course works, um, you know, yeah, I, I can log on when I want. There's there's the forum, the 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 vast majority of the resource and uh, the teaching, if you like, is pre-recorded, um, and then there are our Zoom calls. So doing each um, module, I'm I'm already I think I've booked. Uh, this is I'm doing my fourth. I have two more to do, and I've booked those in for you know later in this year. Um, and what I've also done is is booked the business project, which is the the dissertation. Because it's not a business project at all. Um, and what I'm thinking is I, I can maybe unbook that business project and go. All right, let's finish the modules, uh, go away and and think a little bit, and then then book in because you then get you know once you book in the the clock starts ticking for your submission of what your dissertation is going to be, and then the process begins. But you know, one thing I, I am fascinated by is um, sort of having said I'm a little bit concerned there might not be data, but, you know, businesses, um, you know, that you're involved in, that I'm involved in, suddenly had to work out how to manage people remotely. And um, w- one thing I have observed with one of my clients is that uh, it became that sort of fabled meritocracy that everybody always sort of talked about which was your results were good or they weren't and that's great but it very draconian Mm. so staff turnover very high this person's not performing now where i was a manager way back when god was a wee boy if a person wasn't performing i would look at myself and go okay why is that because that person doesn't have the knowledge they need, the competence, the confidence, the support? What am I not doing to get that person performing? Accepting that it might just be that that person's not the right person for the role, but that's only one of several possibilities. Now I see the, a, a ruthlessness in business that goes, that person's not performing. Why not? Who cares? Mm. Let's get another one. And, um, that I think, okay, from a shareholder point of view, you might go, uh, yeah, well, you know, business is a business. What I want is performance and I want the, the revenues to make the money, to shareholder return, yada, yada, yada. Okay, but who is training people? 
who is developing people? If everybody is working remote teams and just managing performance, then how, how do we get better at stuff? That's that I'm not I'm not saying it very well, but that's the sort of thing that's ticking over in my head. I'm thinking, you know, how could I research that? I could speak to clients, I could speak to people I know who work in business and is that data? I don't know. But that's the type of thing that I'd like to think on for a while because I think that is important mm. because humans are clearly, you, me, and probably lots of people listening to this podcast, are really quite motivated to sit in home offices mm. uh, at least some of the time um, and be managed, you know, with a degree of trust. And that's fine. But the downside of that is what it's going to mean for for performance management and what's going to mean for people development. I suppose that's my, my concern. I would also suggest that the hybrid style is a factor in there. If you have some people, remote, yeah, you have some people for sure. hybrid, you now, um, in my organizations, I'm sort of the only one that is remote. So mm. uh, I'm, I'm a little lucky in that way, but certainly that hybrid challenge, you lose a lot of that institutional I'd say the word gossip, but that institutional knowledge that happens in a workplace. Uh, you know, if uh, if I was in the stage of my career that um, I, I wanted to get ahead, you know, and, and push and push and push, working remote in a hybrid organization is very tough mm -hmm. because you, in a lot of cases, are outside of the loop. And we all know what that loop is. Sure. You know, everybody has a loop. It's different for people. But yeah, it really is a big way. You look at the tech companies uh, this week, Facebook, Meta, whatever they're called this week, uh, announced, let's get rid of another 10,000 people. Wow. I just, I just look at that and go, how, A, how do you have 10,000 people spare? And mm, sure. what, what leadership do you have that you could make that call? And that's the second group of 10,000 people. Do you a have that many people you've hired and not invested in Yeah. or B, you know what? I, I get it if a project is canned, but there are, there are so many resources that people are just, ah, oh, churn them out. We'll hire again. Mm. And you lose corporate culture, you lose, um, you know, you can do a Twitter efficiency thing. It's, it's what Elon Musk is doing. And, you know, as, as a financial guy, I, I got to say some of the things Elon's doing over there from a short-term numbers makes sense. From a long-term investor relationship, I kind of look at it a little differently. Yeah, I mean, it's... I'll tell you something about this client. I mean, I haven't named the client, so um, I don't think I'm doing anything out of order. But the um, well, I give details that anybody that knows me can work out the client is. But anyway, the the CEO um, and the founder of this company is a guy that I used to work with way back when, um, and we always had a fairly rough, tough relationship um, to, to the extent you know we'd stand up swearing at each other, um, but. That was a, that was the way it was, Stu, back in those days. Exactly, it was a kind of nineties business relationship. You, you would shout at each other, and we would argue the toss, and we fiercely defend our positions. Then we go out for a beer. Um, and I am uh, doing some work for this client, and the the client uh, did very very well through the lockdown. Um, 
it, it actually grew, you know, record quarters, that type of thing was happening. It was, it was all fabulous. Mm-hmm. And uh, once uh, lockdown was over and I was back in the UK, um, I just, just sort of a courtesy visit, partly because the client pays me every month. So I think, you know, I should maybe pop in. <laughs> so I sort of went to see him and we, we, had a, we had a brief lunch together. And I was talking about um, some of his senior managers who are sort of running divisions and departments uh, who have impressed me. You know, with their with their skill set, with their approach, and I said, you know, um, really, really good guy. I've been very impressed. His results are fantastic. My my concern would be, is is this guy a little bit of a one trick pony? Is it, you know, can he broaden his experience? Can he can he get better at those other things around the role? And uh, <laughs> the founder looked at me and said, "Who cares?" Hmm. I was like, wow, that's not something that I would have said in any of my businesses. And it's not something that I think he would have said maybe 10 years before. Uh, something appears to have changed. I don't think it's it's just the pandemic. I think there's a lot more to it. But as you say, it's the, okay, look, he, he's not the right, he's not getting the right results. Let's rehire. Let's rehire. Let's rehire. Let's rehire. Let's rehire. Oh, we got one. You think that's kind of, you can understand the approach. You can understand the the sort of result focus, but is that all that business is there for? Is like some would argue it is. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not writing the dissertation now, but that's that's the sort of area that I I think I might want to meander into. And for that, I'll probably need to take the break. Hmm, that'd be interesting though. Uh, see, there's something that you could do that is interesting and potentially valuable as well. Here's some lessons that you can share, um, you know, rather than just, you know, re- regurgitating Drucker from the seventies. <laughs> I like it. As long as you put some Drucker in there, obviously in some Hertzberg and um, well, you could probably put a bit of Jack Welsh. I mean, Jack Welsh, the old GE approach, you know, that would play into this subject. Yeah. You see, I'm warming to it. I'm warming to it. The listeners haven't even chimed in yet, Justin, and I'm already feeling better. Mm. All right, Sue, any takeaways from this apart from, Wow, you got a lot of work out of you. <laughs> well, um, I think it's what, the, the one I've already mentioned that, that, okay, it's easy for me and for anyone else to sort of denigrate tasks that don't seem to make sense to you. But I guess the skill of someone uh, who's going who's gonna to go somewhere is to look at these things and say, what can I learn from this? And actually, this is a great learning opportunity for me, one that has probably always been there, but I've never really had the opportunity or the motivation to explore and to go really deep. And rather than learn just by experience and by, you know, see my plans, to actually look at the thinking and the logic behind why certain things work and why certain things don't. And um, when you see things that look annoying, when you see things that are problems sit back and think about them a bit they might be something better than that Mm. very good oh and what about you what's your takeaway i think mine is actually the same is if you can get out of the mindset of looking at this as a purely academic exercise and look at this as something interesting, something useful, potentially useful, um, using 
the best of the academic methods, the research methods for business. Yeah, you're still going to have to do all the footnotes and references and all that stuff. But I think if you can find a way to make this meaningful for yourself and hopefully something that could be meaningful in your worldview, um, sharing with your clients, your consulting with, um, you know, your audience, either through your blog or through, you know, uh, opportunities such as uh, the stage you're adjacent here. I think there's a lot to it. Um, the, the key is to, is it just a box that you're checking or is it something more that you could do? And I think mm. trying to differentiate that is going to be where the value for you personally and the interest is going to be. For sure. All right. If you have any ideas for Stu, any thoughts, I think this will be a good one. You can email Stu. Where can, where can they email you, Stu? Uh, you can email me at hello at stuartlennon.com or stationaryadjacent at gmail.com where you get Justin and I will both get that one. Um, what about you, Justin? Where can people contact you if they want to chase you up? Uh, stationaryadjacent.gmail.com is probably the easiest one. Uh, you can find Stu at stuartlennon.com. He writes some good stuff there. Uh, when's Sean coming out again, Stu? <laughs> yeah, boom. Uh, moving quickly on, you can find Justin at justintwyford.com or his excellent YouTube channel. You'll like this one. It's youtube.com uh, forward slash at beyond your front door or one word. Mm. Um, Chocosaurus on the road. Well worth a watch. Thank you, Stu. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, next topic. What life lessons have we taken from our careers? Oh boy. If you didn't think we were complaining enough this time, just wait <laughs> till next time. <laughs> All, right. All right, Stu. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.